You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 50, The Election of 1932. In this episode, we see Herbert Hoover take a hit due to the Great Depression. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, we started off uh, our last episode talking about how great a position the Republicans were in, how amazing the country was doing, the the booming economy, and uh, this... This episode's a little different tone. Uh, yeah, there was something that maybe two or three of us know about, and it was called, well, the stock market crash. It crashed shortly after Hoover took office in 1929. Right, yeah. And of course, there was nothing that could be foreseen, I guess you could say, by Hoover or potentially even done by Hoover. Uh, maybe a thing here or two or there. But really, uh, we can't go into the magnitude of what the Great Depression did and what it was about and what it caused because we will undoubtedly miss something. And this is a podcast about elections. But just know there was a really bad thing that happened that caused the country to spiral into economic despair. And Herbert Hoover is at the helm of the ship during this time. Yeah. So if you're a Republican in 1932, you're not feeling very good about yourself. And actually, very few people in the country at this time are feeling any good about anything going on with the Republicans. Well, even still, we should probably give the Republicans their fair shot at the nomination process and see kind of where things fell for them. So we have the 1932 Republican National Convention. Of course, Herbert Hoover is going to be one of our main contenders. Yeah, and he really doesn't have any difficulty getting the party's nomination because he's in control of the party. Uh, Senator John Blaine from Wisconsin, Senator Joseph France from Maryland, and former Senator James Wadsworth Jr. from New York all seek to challenge Hoover, but their challenges really fall flat. Hoover gets over 1,100 votes at the Republican National Convention. Blaine finishes second with 13. So go Hoover. Yeah. Hey, you know what's kind of interesting, Jason, is that Calvin Coolidge, uh, he gets a couple of votes, a few votes himself in the nomination process as well, even though he's still like, guys, I'm fishing. Just Stop it. <laughs> a few people are still like, no, we're going to still nominate you. It's cool. But yeah, we do get uh, overwhelming support from the Republican Party for Herbert Hoover. Yeah. And across the aisle, we have the governor of 
New York, Franklin D. Roosevelt. He is ready to rock it onto the national scene. And even before the election comes up, he's got it. Yeah, he knows what's going on. He is uh, a well-known man. He's really just kind of a charismatic guy as well. And they, they start out though, I mean, with, with the nomination process where they're not a hundred percent certain he's going to get it, get the nomination just because of the two thirds nominating rule, uh, that the Democrats had in place. And we see that as, as common now, but, um, we start seeing a lot of ballots cast and, um, there are some opponents to Roosevelt as well, but, um, it, it turns out uh, all you got to do is knock one of the guys out of the, uh, out of the race. And they'll throw their support behind Roosevelt and he'll get the nomination eventually. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because Al Smith was supported still by some of the bosses, you know, the whole Tammany Hall thing and mm-hmm. um, being all urban and stuff. But really, when Roosevelt ascends to the governorship of New York, he has New York locked up. So go FDR. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to take a minute to talk about uh, Franklin Roosevelt's background and just kind of who he was as a person and everything, Jason? Yeah, sure. So you might have heard the Roosevelt name before, right? Because there was a president, Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, <laughs> kind of an important figure. Um, he is a cousin of the... I was going to say of the dead, (laughs) but he is Theodore Roosevelt, a a distant cousin. And they are um, one of the oldest Dutch families in New York state. Yeah. And Franklin is really no stranger, I guess you could say to politics. Um, He, he gets into politics as early as 1910. He gets into the Senate. Uh, He serves as the assistant secretary of the Navy under President Wilson. Um, uh, he runs for vice presidency uh, a couple times, I believe, at least once, I know for sure. And then um, he also just participated in, you know, kind of everyday discussions and was a, a striking figure. And like like we talked about, he, he did become governor in 1929. One of the main things you may know about Roosevelt is that he had polio, and had got polio in 1921 and actually um, left him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He lost the use of his legs and um, it kind of becomes the identifying factor in his, I wouldn't say presidency, but life. Uh, you know, obviously that's going to be the kind of thing that affects you throughout your life. Yeah. And I guess we can skip ahead just a little bit in our history, sure. but he was very involved with the March of Dimes. And shortly after his death, his picture was minted onto the dime. So when you look at your dime, you're actually looking at a portrait of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And another thing about Roosevelt that's kind of interesting uh I live relatively close to Dayton, Ohio, and they have at the museum of the national museum of the United States air force. I believe I said that correct. It's free to visit by the way, if you are ever in the Dayton area, uh, they have his presidential plane and they have a little elevator that shows how they hoisted him up in his wheelchair. It's crazy. And 
the media kept this pretty private. It wasn't a well-known thing that he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And by the way, that's a fantastic museum. If you ever get the chance to go, it's really, really well done. A lot of revolving exhibits and there's, there's uh aircraft from all eras and, you know, even, even spaceships and everything else. So check it out. If you get the chance and you're around Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. So back to the election. Yeah, I suppose that's probably important to talk about again here pretty soon. Uh, so Roosevelt gets the nomination, of course, and uh, he pretty much promises that he's going to abolish all the useless offices and get rid of all the unnecessary functions of government. And it just costs too much is what he says. And this is like hugely, hugely appealing to the nation considering the fact that they're in a Great Depression. And, you know, when you're in an economic downturn, I suppose you could say, who do you want to blame? Anyone but yourself. And uh, the easiest target is the government. And for someone saying, yeah, the government has too much spending, let's cut it down, which, by the way, is not a not a historically democratic thing to say um, or democratic party thing to say. Uh, it really makes an impact with people on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And he's traveling around the country, greeting crowds his campaign theme song is Happy Days Are Here Again, and it actually becomes one of the most popular theme songs in American political history. And it was kind of the unofficial anthem of the Democratic Party. So then notice that Roosevelt's campaign is all about good times. The people are going to turn this around, and the hero is the people. And Roosevelt is going around saying, you guys are awesome. You're Americans. You can do it. We can do it. Happy days. They're here again. Absolutely. I run for president. Yeah, I think so. That sounded pretty, <laughs> I, I almost started crying for a minute there. <laughs> well, what you don't see, Jason, is a lot of the issues that have been uh, prevalent in the past. I mean, this last election we talked about. Uh, the Roman Catholic issue, that's not really an issue right now. We hear about the Ku Klux Klan from all sorts of different elections. That's not really an issue right now. Uh, prohibition, of course, is, uh, in act, uh, in action and, uh, will soon be, um, you know, discussed a little further as far as repealing it. But even that doesn't become a huge point in the, election process and in the candidate process. Uh, It really is just all about how do we get this country back on its feet and make everybody just kind of forget about their problems. Yeah. So Hoover is looked upon as the guy who is the cause of the great depression and even prominent Republicans. There were many of them who were like, "Uh, I'm not for this guy. I'm going to hop on the Democratic bandwagon. So you have Hoover saying, let's restrict trade and increase taxes on the wealthy. And Roosevelt saying to Hoover, "Um, you are spending more money than any other peacetime administration. So it does sound like Roosevelt... (laughs) is the conservative and Hoover is the disaster liberal. Right. Yeah. Quite, quite the reversal. Well, I don't want to say that with the disaster part, but um, 
it's quite the reversal in roles that that the Democratic side is being way more conservative and uh, the Republican side is being way more liberal. And, and we do see some of those changes throughout history in the parties. But it's certainly an interesting, interesting time. Uh, but like Jason said, people are just jumping off the Republican train at this point before it crashes. And everybody's kind of telling um, telling everybody else, yeah, Republicans don't have it going on. Um, one guy even wrote a letter to Hoover that said, hey, why don't you vote for Roosevelt and make it unanimous? Meaning even, even the people who vote, who are typically Republican or typically were for you, aren't going to vote for you this time. Yeah. So Hoover, um, this is kind of interesting. I mean, it, it, it does get personal. Uh, Hoover calls Roosevelt a chameleon in plaid and Roosevelt calls Hoover a quote, fat, timid capon. So the attacks by the end of the campaign become really personal. Hoover calls Roosevelt a chameleon in plaid and Roosevelt calls Hoover a fat, timid capon. And in the last days of campaigning, Hoover criticizes Roosevelt's tirades as being uh, glittering generalities and ignorance and defamation. So it's getting ugly. Yeah, it's gross for sure. Uh, I guess, <laughs> I guess things have or haven't changed a lot. I don't, I don't know which, what to say about that. We'll get into that, of course, later, but. Let's go ahead and, and jump into the actual election. I mean, if you don't know where things are headed by this point, we haven't done a very good job of explaining the, the way the country is running at this, uh, during this time. Um, the Democrats are, are sweeping stuff, man. I mean, since 1876, we haven't seen the Democrats win a majority of the popular vote. They do now. We haven't yeah. seen the Democrats get a majority in the popular vote and the Electoral College since 1852 until now. Yeah. And even the, quote, other vote of 1932 was three times that of 1928. It was quite a bit less than what had been recorded in 1920, which was the other time the other vote was really high. So people are jumping all over that FDR bandwagon and the democratic candidate won the support of 57% of voters. And that was the greatest vote ever cast for a presidency up until that time. Crazy. Yeah. We're looking at 57 to 39 electoral vote. We're looking at 472 to 59. And that's, I don't know definitively, but I can't imagine that there's been another incumbent that's won by that many electoral votes. Yeah. And just the realignment that occurred after this, because I remember four years ago, the country is all red with a couple of blue states there in the South that will never vote Republican, right? Well, 1932, just about the entire country is blue. And this is actually considered a realigning election. Roosevelt sweeps <laughs> most of the nation. Uh, the Democrats take control of the House. They take control of the Senate. Um, the Republicans are totally the underdogs now. Um, 
And it's the beginning of democratic control of the White House for decades. Yeah, maybe, what, 30 years or so. I mean, we don't want to give too much away here, but it's a yeah. while. It's yeah. speculation, but right, it looks right. that way. Hey, you know what's not speculation, Jason? Uh, Amazon.com being one of the best places you can shop online for your stuff. It, very true. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to shop on Amazon. What, what do you suggest is the best way to do that? I, well, if I were you, and I'm not, but if I were you, I would go to electioncollege.com slash Amazon, and it's not going to take you to the Election College website. It's going to take you to the Amazon website. You're not going to see any difference in the price, but you will see a difference in your heart because you'll actually be helping us. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we can get helped out if you go and shop on Amazon.com. By going to electioncollege.com slash Amazon, write that down in your diary or something, and make sure to go there every time you shop on Amazon for anything. Uh, it really helps out our show, and we appreciate it. We also really appreciate it when you leave us really super kind, awesome reviews, as many of you have already done. Yeah, we get giddy with laughter, tears, and our hearts are warm, so... That sounded sarcastic, but it's not. <laughs> no, it's really not. Not at all. Ben, anything else about 1932? I think that's it. Um, I guess we'll see you in about four years. Yeah. money on plant protection supplies now at menards defend your garden with triazicide insect killer its fast acting formula protects lawns vegetables and many other plants it kills more than 260 insects by contact above and below ground choose from ready to spray concentrate or granular save big money on triazicide insect killer at menards and check out our weekly flyer on menards.com for all the great deals happening now Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.